Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I am Chris Reeve, and I am your host. And what a strange time this is to live through. For those who are listening in the future, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, and most schools have closed to keep everyone at home and practice social distancing. And I don't know about you, but when this is over, I don't ever want to hear those two words together again. Many, if not most of us, are being told to stay home. We're working from home. We're schooling from home. Teachers have made a ginormous pivot to teaching in classrooms, to teaching online, or providing written materials to students to work on at home. Parents have become the facilitators and sometimes the teachers of their children's education, often while still trying to work from home. And some are doing all this while also still trying to work outside the home and trying to find childcare, much less educational support. And we are doing this with the background of the largest healthcare crisis that we've seen in our lifetimes. Gee, I wonder why we're stressed. I mean, we can just stay on the couch all day and watch Netflix, right? And who knew that was going to get old, right? Well, really, who has time to sit on the couch and watch Netflix? We are all scrambling trying to figure out how this new teacher-supported homeschooling is supposed to work. I know I've been working like crazy to try to get training and supports out to the Special Educator Academy to help them plan instruction and cope with the new normal. And I've simultaneously been working on trying to make some of my products digital so that they can easily be sent home, preferably without having to print them. The thing that makes this homeschooling so hard, I think, is that no one asked for it. There are many students who are homeschooled or homeschooled with online learning and support from certified teachers, but that isn't what happened here. As I talked about in episode 31, parents didn't sign on to be facilitators for online or distance learning, and many have commitments that make this difficult, and the teachers didn't ask to be distance instructors. So I wanted to take a quick break from strategies to make distance learning work and talk a little bit about ways to cope, whether you are an educator or a family member, when you're thrust into this world of distance learning. So let's get started. As I said, most of us didn't ask for this situation, but it's what we have. And I want to say that I am so impressed with how both teachers and families have been managing it. I think both are doing amazing things that deserve to be recognized, and both groups also need our support to get through it. So let me start with families. Some families choose to homeschool and use online learning for their children. Some have homeschooling or distance education thrust upon you. It's not how you may have chosen to educate your child, but it is what we have at the moment. It brings with it a lot of concerns and frustrations, and it may ratchet up the tension in the house a bit as parents become the facilitator or the teacher. There are some major differences between choosing to homeschool your child with or without an online component, 
The primary one being that if you chose it, you made a commitment to being an educator of one type or another. And if it was thrust upon you, it may not be something that you have the time or energy to address. You also may be running into situations that are difficult to manage. Our students might not understand why mom or dad is suddenly the teacher. They may not want to work with schoolwork at home. And you may feel at a loss about how to present the material that's coming home. The situation is not ideal, but let me start with some ideas that might be helpful for families. Number one, take it easy on yourself. You are getting a ton thrown at you at once. You might be working from home and trying to homeschool. You might be looking for childcare so you can continue working at your job and homeschool may not even be on your radar. And that's okay. Let's get through this and then we'll figure it out. And that really seems to be where we're at at the moment. I recognize that isn't the equivocal definite answer that we'd all like about how IEPs and things like that are going to be addressed. But at the moment, that's where we are. Number two, it's not at all uncommon that your child will have some difficulty with the idea of doing schoolwork at home. It's not you. That's normal. We are all different with our family than we are with other people. I always say family members have a history that teachers don't have. Teachers are there a certain part of the day. Family's there forever. I am a family member of an individual with autism, and I will tell you there are many ways that she and I interact that would never enter into a classroom situation with other people because it's 50 years of history. So that learning history is strong for both you and your child, and that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. If Number three, if you're struggling with anything, back up and start small. Don't start with the whole lesson that got sent home at once. When that becomes a habit and they can do that one activity a day, add another. So start with one, start with part of one, start with what you can do, and then slowly add to it. You don't have to do everything all at once. Number four, do fun activities with your child that they enjoy before you sit down to work with them. I know it's tempting to say, let's get the work done and then we'll do something fun. And sometimes that will work with our students. But many times we will get them to engage in work activities more effectively if we start with something that's engaging and fun. This helps the student adjust and want to interact with you. If you can bring the fun activity to the area where you plan to work, that's even better. Then they won't see the work part of it as much. That's why if you can build it around cooking activities or nature walks or scavenger hunts in the house or games you play, that's a really good way at this time to do that type of learning because our students will accept that as part of a normal household routine more effectively. And number five, ask for help from your teacher or your school district. That's what they are there for. It's okay to ask for help. That is the advantage of you're not on your own. You shouldn't be on your own. Your child has a teacher, and if they are expecting you to be doing 
any kind of distance learning, they should be available to you in different ways. I know many teachers have requirements that they reach out to families a certain number of times a week. I know that many of them are trying to make contact with their students so they can touch base with them as well. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask. Nobody's ever done this before. There is no right or wrong. There is no guilt. There should not be any guilt. I know there's always guilt. Um, but we we just have to get through it. And help is how we can do that. We are a community and we can help. One of the things that you may want to do is, if you're listening to this in real time, on Tuesday, I will be doing a Facebook Live for the Autism Society of America, along with my friend Mark Ellison, who runs the College Autism Support Program at Marshall University. And we'll be talking about homeschooling and what it might look like and hopefully answering some questions that people have. And if you're not listening to this before we've done it live, I'm sure the recording will be on their page, and I will put a link to that page in the show notes. So now let's talk about educators. In Special Educator Academy, we have a thread that one of our members just started about positive things we have learned from this experience. It's much more meaningful and less sappy than it sounds, really. It is. What I have found so amazing about educators' reaction to this situation is that I almost never see any of them say, this isn't fair, or I can't believe this is expected of us. Instead, like our amazing healthcare workers in these days, educators are picking up the baton and running with it. They have pivoted on a dime with a couple days notice to teach in a whole new way, to throw out their lesson plans for what may have been the rest of the year and figure out how to teach without their whiteboards, without their visuals, and even without their books. Many of them had school canceled while they were still in the, while they weren't in the building and they're not allowed back in the building to get any materials. And that's one of the things that I do hear them complaining about. I see them making car parades through their students' neighborhoods to tell them that they miss them and deliver materials. I hear them say how happy they are when they get a face-to-face session going online and get to see their students' faces. These are people who really care about your kids. These are kids, people who are sad because they don't get to see their kids. Because let's face it, the students in our classroom are our kids too. So let me share some thoughts and some strategies for teachers to cope in this time. Number one, it's the same as families. Take it easy on yourself. Don't feel like you have to do everything at once. We, as as a people, we seem to be those people. Start small. Give parents one thing then add to it. That's going to keep them from being overwhelmed as well. Number two, check in with the families of your students and see how they're doing. Set up a regular call or video check-in to answer questions. But also when you do those check-ins, ask them specific questions like, how is your child responding to you and your teaching? Are you running into any problems that are making it hard to get through the material? What does your schedule look like each day? Is there something I can help you with in structuring some school time? Or just structuring your day? Forget school. Are there directions that I can help clarify for you? Because remember, we're used to following our own lesson plans as teachers. We're not often used to just handing them to somebody and expecting them to always be able to follow them. 
Are you running into any technical issues with the computer or the internet if you have an online program? Asking those specific questions can really help to get the information that will allow you to help a family. And it may come up, it may call up questions they didn't even realize that they had. Number three, remember that this is going to be an adjustment for the families and for the student. And try to make sure that strategies you share for them are ones that will fit into the home environment. For instance, maybe having all of your staff, maybe you have all your staff trained on how to ignore their child's attention-seeking behavior, and it's reduced significantly. But that may not be the case at home. Parents may not know how to do that. They may not be able to get a sibling to understand how to ignore the behavior, or they just have a much longer history of responding to it in a way that is different than the classroom. So it's going to be much more difficult and much more potentially dangerous to just ignore the behavior. Parents may not know exactly what to do. So look as a teacher, look for another solution and recognize that when parents are telling you that something isn't working, They are not resisting the solutions that you're providing. They may need ones that are tailored to their particular situation. The way that families handle behavior and are able to handle behavior will always be different than school. We have to think outside the box in this case to help figure out how it's going to work in that setting. And your strategies may not always be exactly what is needed to transfer. Number four, as an educator, set boundaries on your time. Use something like remind or regularly scheduled contact with families so that there are specific times that you have office hours and that you're available. With families' work schedules and everything going on, their school schedule may be slightly different than what your expectations are. So it's helpful for them to know when they can reach out, how to reach you, and when they can expect to hear back from you. And you don't need to be answering questions because your phone woke you up in the middle of the night. It's important that you take time for yourself, and it's important that you take time for your family. Number five, ask for help. You are not in this alone. Every teacher in this country, whether his or her school has let out or or not, is thinking about doing something like this if they're not doing it. Reach out to your district for guidance. Social media may be a great place to commiserate and get ideas and empathy, but it can't substitute for advice from the district specifically about their expectations of this experience. And as I talked about in episode 31, go easy on the districts because they're still trying to build the plane while it flies as well. If you need more ideas, reach out to our Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com. I'm trying to make sure that I spend time in there every day. And we've got a number, a large increasing number of educators with some really great ideas of things that they're doing. And if you're a member of the Special Educator Academy, reach out through the community or just email me. We are all here to help. And you are not in this by yourself. You don't have to have all of the answers. None of us do. So if you reach out on social media, if you reach out in the academy, I can't guarantee I have the answers. I've never said I do, but I'm more than willing to brainstorm. 
If you're a special educator, if you are a special educator academy member, we do have increasing training on distance learning. We just posted um, a new one on planning distance learning, and we have lots and lots of resources in the community as well as social stories to help some of our students. So, if you are a member, definitely look for those or email me if you can't find them. If you're not a member, come join us for a seven day trial and find out if it's something that's for you. I will be back next week uh, to talk some more probably about distance learning and coping with some of these things. I would love to hear your reactions in the Facebook group. If you are an educator, definitely come share. If you are a family member who is listening to this, in the Special Educators Connection, we have educators. I just, we just accept educators at this point, but the Autism Society of America's Facebook page is a good place to ask questions. And they have an ongoing series of people from their panel of professional advisors who will be sharing information that can help. So definitely check that out. And I will put that link and all of these links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate taking time out of your day and I would love to hear if you have questions that you would like answered within the podcast. I will be back next week and I hope to see you then. 